stay away from me, because I'll give it to you. I'll be happy to share. It's a drag. If you got your Bibles with you, open up to Revelation chapter 5, and we're looking tonight at an exciting part of Scripture. We're looking at the Song of the Redeemed. <coughs> so let's uh, open up Revelation chapter 5. Uh, we'll pick it up at verse 8. <coughs> And we'll read from there. It says, Now, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, a voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and in the sea, And all that was in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray. Father, as we come before your word this evening, Lord, we pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. (coughs) Lord, we do ask that uh, the soil of our heart has been prepared to receive the seed of your word, Lord, that it might bring forth fruit in our life. God, we ask that you would challenge us, convict us, direct us, rebuke us, Lord, whatever things are necessary in our life, Lord, that we might walk closer to you. Lord, we lift this time and we seek your special touch in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look here, the second part, the second section of Revelation chapter 5, this is where... The identity of the 24 elders for me is really worked out. And I've already given several hints and, uh, in, in terms of who I think the 24 elders are. I, I think the 24 elders represent the church. We're reading a book that was written in 95 AD. <clears throat> the church was going strong. All of Paul's writings, you know, remember Paul? You got uh, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 13 different books that he penned. They're written in the 50s and 60s. This is about 35 years later when we see the book of Revelation come on the scene. And at that time, the church is just about in its zenith. It's going through persecutions, but it's become, it's been growing. It's been, it's been moving. In fact, it's described as turning the world upside down, right? We all heard that. So to that culture comes the phrase, the 24 elders, the 24 elders. How would the church have read that? The church would have read that as elders, just like the elders in the church. The writer who wrote the book of Revelation, John, also wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. And he used the term elder in each one of those books to describe people in the church. So I don't know that there's any reason to try to look for that to be another group. But I think the song that we're going to look at tonight really helps... Uh, to nail that down a little better. 
But the other challenge when we come to this, uh, this song and as we look at it, there's a little bit of a textual criticism we'll be talking about as we take a look at it. So hopefully we'll be able to grapple with those issues and understand uh, what God's Word is laying out for us. Look at verse 8. It says, And when he had taken the scroll, who's the he? The Lamb, right? Remember we saw him in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the, the living creature stood the Lamb as though he had been slain, right? And that's the one to whom they're singing. He is worthy, right? He's worthy to take the scroll. Before that, nobody could take it. Nobody could even look at it, right? In order to look in the scroll, you have to meet the requirements of the seals. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can meet the requirements of the seals to open the seals and begin to look at the scroll. (coughs) So it says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Now he's describing for us who is there. Who is there? He's, he's given us He's given us kind of a play-by-play of what's taking place. So you have the Lamb standing in the midst of the four living creatures. Four living creatures are called in the book of Ezekiel uh, and also in the book of Revelation are called cherubim. You guys have heard that phrase before, right? Cherubim, it's a, it's a familiar phrase. Cherubim actually in Akkadian means uh, a temple guardian. Where do we always see the cherubim, the four living creatures? Where do we always see them? Around the throne. Where are they at all the time? Around the throne. What are they doing? They're singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, and who is to come. The, the phrase they're, they're, they're saying, they're singing this, this phrase, means they're doing it continuously. They're continuously around the throne. Then when we discover them, these four living creatures around the throne, we, we realize they're, they're kind of different than anything else we've ever seen, right? Each has four faces, multiple wings, is able to, to fly in any direction without turning. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can wrap my mind all around that, but I've never seen one before. <clears throat> but I know that as John looks at them, the direction that they're facing dictates which face he sees. The face of the eagle... The face of the, of the ox, the face of the lion, the face of the man. So he's got them, <coughs> depending on which direction they're facing, that's the face that's pointed at him, and he describes that. So you got them there, the lamb in the middle, the throne has this aura around it. You remember the aura the, that had the emerald uh, rainbow, multiple colors, shining, glistening. Remember that the Bible tells us God the Father is spirit, right? He's spirit. So you're seeing this, this light, this beautiful light, emanation, the, <clears throat> the idea of the glory, the Shekinah of God, the glory, the light shining from the throne. There's the Lamb there at the throne. The Scripture lays out for us that the seven spirits are at the throne. So what do you got? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit at the throne, four living creatures around Him. John is looking at this. The 24 elders are around that. And so as soon as He takes it, Immediately, the 24 elders are on their face, worshiping God. Immediately, 24 elders. You're going to see the 24 elders on their face more than any other group. Worshiping. Bowing down before the Lord God Almighty. It says that uh, they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of. Of the saints. So let me give you just some, some quick concepts. The four living creatures, 
They're not, they haven't fallen down. The each is masculine. You, we can't tell it in the English, but there are, there are tenses, <coughs> voices in the, in the Greek that help us understand what words are talking about which people. Are you guys with me? So the each is masculine and the 24 elders is masculine. The four living creatures is, is a, a neuter. So they're not talking about them. The each that is fallen, the each that is holding a harp or a lyre, some, maybe, maybe it's a guitar. That'd be kind of cool. I already know how to play that. But, uh, the 24 elders, <laughs> the 24 elders be holding a harp, a lyre, some type of musical instrument, right? Each one has a golden bowl full of incense, which is what? The prayers of the saints, right? The prayers of the saints. So you have this picture. 24 elders down on their face. <clears throat> musical instruments. What is he, what is he laying out for us? Right here in the presence of the Lamb, one of the first things we see in their reaction, the reaction to Jesus Christ is worship. Worship, the, there's a couple of words for worship. In Hebrew is a word, uh, shakah. Shakah means bow down and worship. The word in the New Testament, in the Greek, <coughs> is proskuneu, which means to, to bow towards, to kiss. The picture is like, uh, uh, almost like bowing down to kiss a hand, or leaning in, uh, that, that intimacy that you might have with another. So the idea is wrapped up between those two words. They fall on their face to worship, musical instruments are there so that they can praise Him. Immediately they bow down. It's an absolute, I don't want you to miss this, absolute declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. Where are we at? In heaven. Now, in the book of Revelation, a couple of times we're going to see John get so freaked out that he falls down and begins to worship an angel. Right? And what does the angel tell him every time? Whoa! Don't do that. Worship who? God. Oh, just worship God. So I don't want you to lose sight. Here we are in the throne room. The Father represented by the Shekinah, this beautiful light emanating from the throne. you got the, the Lamb as though He'd been slain standing there. The Holy Spirit represented. And they all bow down and worship the Lamb. They're worshiping Jesus Christ. Anybody tell them to stop? No. Why? You can only worship God. So who's Jesus? He's God. He's God. They're down, they're worshiping, they're declaring the deity, the majesty of Him. But it's not only a declaration, guys, as they're on their face in worship with their instruments, <coughs> but it also involves prayer. See, each one representing, remember, if, if, if the 24 elders represent the church as a whole, and the 24 elders bow down and worship the Christ who has redeemed them, right? So far, there's nothing too crazy. And then... Each one is holding a bowl full of the prayers of the saints. And the idea is, guys, no matter what our prayer is, the answer to our prayer is Jesus Christ being king. No matter what it is, the answer to our prayer is being in the presence of our God and King, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So they bow down. They have these bowls full of incense 
which are the prayers of the saints. In fact, in Psalm 141, verse 1, it says, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. The the idea of prayer and worship being an honor to God, and being symbolized by the this same concept as as incense. Remember the high priest would go into the tabernacle and offer incense at the golden altar, which symbolized what? The prayers of the people. Where'd the incense go? Where'd the smoke go? Up toward God, right? Up toward God. It's a it's a symbol of the prayers. Now think about Matthew chapter six, Jesus teaching the disciples. They say, Lord, teach us to pray, remember? Lord, teach us to pray. There's a phrase in there that I think is, is important to what we're looking at here. A phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's happening. That prayer is happening as Jesus takes the scroll to begin to loose the seals. Because as he looses the, looses the seals, and he in and, and this final 70th week <coughs> of Daniel takes place, it's Jesus Christ taking ownership of the earth. He's planting the flag and saying, this is mine. This is mine, I'm, I'm here. And so it's this, this is my kingdom set up on earth, the return of the king. Now as we look at verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song. They sang a new song. There's a prophetic concept, right? That there's a a response that the earth is going to give one day. And all throughout the Psalms we hear this phrase. Sing unto the Lord what? A new song. Sing unto the Lord a new song. On that day, they're going to sing a new song. A song that had never been sung in heaven before. Look at Psalm 33, 3. It says, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, and many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 96, 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98, 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Psalm 144.9, I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a ten-string harp I will play to you. Praise the Lord, Psalm 149, verse 1, sing unto the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the godly. Over and over again we have this idea spoken of. Sing a new song. Looking for that completion in the movement that Jesus Christ has begun for the redemption of mankind. The redemption of mankind is being wrapped up. He starts opening the seals, and the redemption of mankind will be completed when that's finished. Right? The glorification of all, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints being able to rule and reign together with Jesus Christ, all of that is coming to fruition by the time he finishes with the scroll. So they sang a new song saying, again, Revelation 5 verse 9, Worthy are you to take the scroll (coughs) and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. (coughs) And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God. And they shall reign upon the earth. So 
not only do we see this concept of a new song, but we also see the preeminence, the value of the Lamb. Worthy are you. Isn't that what he says? You are worthy. The Lamb of God is worthy. The concept of Jesus Christ being worthy is throughout the Word of God. In Psalm 115, verse 1, it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. This idea of God pouring out His glory. The Bible lets us know what? There's no other heaven, no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. That His name is above every name, says in Ephesians chapter 1, right? In Ephesians 1, verse 19, it says, What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ, in Messiah, when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named. That's, that's all the names, right? He is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. Man, it's, a, it's the idea that Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. The <clears throat> ultimate. The ultimate. And he's saying, that the, he's given us that understanding in the first words of the phrase. Worthy are you. You are worthy. To open the seal. You are worthy, O God. We also see he's also given a place for the cross. A place for the cross. Look what he says. You are worthy. Why? Why is he worthy? For you were slain. That word in the Greek, the word for, it's the same word that you would get because. Because you were Why is he worthy? Because you were slain. Because you died. In Acts 2.23, it says, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Jesus Christ, <coughs> the one who is slain. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of us hostility, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility, the battle, the endless battle between the flesh and the spirit. We have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, right? Living by the power of Jesus Christ. Why is he worthy? Because he was slain. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, And all who dwell on earth will worship it, speaking of the beast, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was what? Slain. You are worthy, for you were slain. So we see the place of the cross. We see the preeminence of the Lamb. <coughs> he is worthy, for He was slain. Next we see the purchase of the redeemed. How is it that He purchased the redeemed? For by your blood you have ransomed us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
By your blood you have ransomed us. There's been a redemption. A ransom has been paid. In 1 Corinthians 6.19 it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. What was the price? The blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. He paid the ransom. The soul that sins shall die. That's what the word declared. Jesus Christ hadn't sinned. He was without sin. So he took our death. He took our punishment upon himself. So that he could purchase us, redeem us, buy us back. 1 Peter 1.18 Verse 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He says, look, you weren't, you weren't ransomed with money. He didn't pay money for you, gold and silver. He paid blood for you. He gave his life for you. He paid your price. He ransomed you. Why is it that He is worthy? Because He was slain. And when He was slain, what did He do? He purchased my redemption. He purchased your redemption. For by your blood you have ransomed us. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from how much sin? All sin. The blood of Jesus Christ paid the price. We're purchased. We're bought. <clears throat> Revelation 1.5. We're going to be talking about Revelation 1, 4, 5, and 6 over and over and over again tonight. But look at it. It says in Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us, and freed us from our sins. How? By His blood. We've been redeemed. Bought. By the blood of Jesus Christ. So we see the purchase of the redeemed. How are they purchased? By His blood. Well, who are the people? Who are the redeemed? The people of the redeemed. Who's that? He says, from every what? Tribe, language, people, and nation. What do you think that means? Yeah, every human being, period. Does that make sense? <clears throat> every, is he talking about angels? Nope, angels aren't from tribes, tongues, languages, nations. He's talking about mankind. All mankind. <clears throat> he has purchased. These are the people who may be redeemed. <clears throat> who can be redeemed. All kinds of men. From all kinds of places. Speaking all kinds of languages, looking all kinds of ways. If you're part of the, the human race, then you're part of those for whom Christ died. Amen? That's what he's telling us. In fact, you see the same thing spoken of when we look at the tribulation saints. Those who are going to come to faith, I believe distinct from the church during the tribulation period. It says in Revelation 7 verse 9... After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, no one could number, from who? From every nation, tribe, people, and language. What is he saying? People, all kinds of people are going to get saved, right? 
There's not like, God's not just for one people. He's not just for one tribe. He's not just for one race. He's not just for one language. Every man on the earth, Jesus Christ died to save. He says in, in Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel flying overhead with, an, with the <coughs> eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. To who? Every nation, tribe, language, and people. Same author, right? This is John. What's he saying? Look, the gospel goes to everybody. Redemption was not distinct by race, not distinct by culture, not distinct by language. All kinds of men. All around the globe. Jesus Christ. Those are the people who may be redeemed. So what's the position? What happens to the redeemed after the redeemed? Look at the verse. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. Now this is a promise from God that, that He gave both to the nation of Israel and to the church. We read about it in Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus 19 verse 6 it says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you will speak to the people of Israel. What's God saying? Yeah, I've got a plan for you. You're going to be a special kingdom. A kingdom of priests. Isn't that the same kind of language we're reading right here? They're going to be a kingdom of priests. First Peter 2.9. He says to the church, For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's purpose and plan for who? The redeemed. There'll be a kingdom of priests. And just in case you're not really sold on it, I told you we're going to read Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 multiple times. So let's go flip over to Revelation 1. We're going to see it. Revelation 1, beginning at verse 4. Take your time. Make sure you understand what I'm saying. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Right? Seven we talked about, right? Seven's the number of completions. Is he only writing to these seven churches or to all the churches? And all the people in the churches? Remember he said, let him who has what? Ears to hear. So far we all have those, right? So he's talking to individuals and churches. Not only seven, but all the churches around the world. Grace to you and peace. From him who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits that are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ. The faithful witness. The firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us. And freed us. From our sins by his blood. What happened next? And made us a kingdom. Priests. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The redeemed. I've made them a kingdom and priests to our God. So what's the promise then to the redeemed? Look at the next phrase in in verses 9 and 10. And they shall reign on the earth. The redeemed will reign on the earth. We read about it in Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign for him for a thousand 
years. Millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Well, what about after that? Well, the book of Revelation keeps going. Verse Chapter 22, verse 5 says, There will be no night. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign with Him for how long? Forever. That's a long time, right? That's the promise to the redeemed. Now, as we look at it, <clears throat> I wish there was a way for me to put both sections up for you at the same time. But maybe some of you have noticed, as we've been reading Revelation uh, 5, 9, and 10, there is a textual issue in this that makes a difference in our interpretation. Maybe you picked it up. Let's look. We'll read it again. The first one is in the ESV. It's the same in the NASB, the NIV. Uh, pretty much all modern translations, it says. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Alright? So that's what we read in the beginning. That's pretty much all modern translations. But if you look at, and if you have New King James or King James, how many, how many we got out there? Yep, good job. It, sometimes you guys don't got the right deal, but you got the right deal tonight. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, what's it say? They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed. What's the difference? Two little letters, huh? You have redeemed us who's singing 24 elders what are they singing the song of the redeemed now it's it's interesting i don't want to bore you with all the craziness <coughs> but the bible is the most well attested textual uh, book on earth and we can always find the answers we just gotta want to you know what i mean you guys remember the story about the log? How you get the log on top? Sometimes you just got to want to. We can always find an answer. We just got to want to. We just got to want to to pour into it and understand. So let me give you the highlights. For the book of Revelation, we have about 95 manuscripts. Not complete, but all contain portions of the book of Revelation. Everybody understand so far? <clears throat> of those... How many of those 95 have Revelation chapter 5 in it? Right? I told you they're partial, right? Sometimes you dig something up out of a hole, maybe you only find a couple chapters. <clears throat> of those, how many have Revelation chapter 5 present? 24. Of the 24, how many say us? 23. Well, that seems like a good reason to leave the us alone, don't it? Just about, guys, just so you know, in the, in the realm of textual criticism and translation, it's not an easy job. We can always criticize people how they do it, but it's not an easy job while they're figuring it out. But as we look at it, every single one of my textual critical books, the really complicated commentaries that get into the Greek, all of them, every one of them says that us is the best reading. You all with me so far? So they say, every single one of them likes us. But we just t talked about some of them don't say us, right? Oh, how come? Well, let's keep going. 
as we look again in uh, New King James, and they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now we come to verse 10. Verse 10. And have made, what's it say? Oh, that's probably not so good. What's it say when we, when we look back at the ESV, NASB, NIV, all the other translations? In verse 10 it says, and you have made them a kingdom of priests. Okay. Here's what caused the, the ruckus. The reading in verse 9, the clear evidence is us. The reading in verse 10, the clear evidence is them. Now the guys who are doing the translation go, this don't make no sense if we put us in the first one and them in the second one. You guys with me? So, the folks who did the King James Version, New King James, they said, we're going to make them both us. The guys who did the ESV, NASB, NIV, other translations said, basically, we're going to make them both them. You with me so far? Now, we have a conundrum. Because sometimes when we try to make something better, we mess it up. Can you agree with that? I think if there's a reasonable explanation why they would be different, that we should be okay. Instead of trying to change it to make sense in our heads, maybe we ought to slow down and say, what's going on here? Who's singing? The 24 elders. Who else? The cherubim. Oh, now think about that for a minute. Don't you think it is at least possible that the 24 elders sing the first verse? And in answer to their verse, the four living creatures sing the second one and say, them? Because the four living creatures aren't part of the redeemed, right? So you have the 24 elders, the four living creatures are all singing in a minute. They're all going to be surrounded by a million angels too, right? So there's this whole chorus thing going on. I think that's conceivable. And since I think that's conceivable, I think we should go with the best reading of both verses. Instead of changing one or the other. Are you with me? Now as far as I know, nobody does that. (laughs) So there's not, you say, I'm going to go buy the Bible, who does that? Nobody does it. Nobody does it, but this is not just Jackie's idea, just so you know. There are, there are scholars who have brought this out and said, this is at least reasonable. And so, why change it? Why change it? The best evidence says that the first verse is us. That you have redeemed us. Who's singing? The 24 elders. Lord, you redeemed us. You bought us. We're the church. The redeemed. Yeah? Then... The four living creatures respond in that next verse. What do they say in verse 10? (coughs) They say, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You hear the answer? Like like one verse going, the 24 elders, then the answer by the four living creatures. To be honest, I don't think that's a stretch. And it is using the best reading in both verses. So does that make sense to everybody? Hopefully that wasn't confusing. I get a lot more confusing and start throwing out all the crazy Greek words. But then everybody looks at me. 
And they say, that's Greek to me, right? Uh, I'm not sure I get what you're talking about. So, so just so you know, verse 9, the New King James, King James Version gets it right. Verse 10, ESV, NIV, NASB, they get it right. Right? And each one switched the other one to try to make it make sense for the translators. Again, think about, as you're thinking about this, think about Revelation 1. 4 through 6. We just read it, right? John's writing to the churches. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. <coughs> he saved us. And He loves us, freed us by His blood, and He has made us, 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 us. Right? John's going, man, we're a kingdom of priests to our, to, to, uh, our God and Savior. So we look at it and we see Jesus laying out for us what I think is the position of the church. So when I look at Revelation 4 and 5, that's why I say it's the church in heaven. The 24 elders representing the church. A part of the redeemed. Is it all the redeemed? No. Why? Because they're still tribulation saints and they're, they all got to die. You say, what do you mean? I didn't know that. Well, if they're a Gentile and they believe, the Bible uses some pretty clear language in the book of Revelation. That everyone who doesn't take the mark of the beast, what happens to them? They lose their head. It's movies that say, oh, people ran around and escaped and didn't have to do it. Or books. But it's not the Bible. The Bible says all who would not worship the beast were slain. There's one group that we know who doesn't worship the beast and who isn't slain. Who are they? The Bible says that the nation of Israel, two-thirds of the nation of Israel is going to die. But a third is going to be able to flee from the wrath of the Antichrist and be preserved by God somewhere in the rock. For those who went with us to Israel, we got to walk around one of the possible places where that might take place. Petra. The rock. Maybe... Maybe not. It's supernatural. But God's going to preserve Israel. He's going to preserve Israel so that Israel will be saved. And they will have their king and their kingdom. And when Jesus sets up his kingdom, what's he going to do? you got the church who have all come back with them, riding on, on, on uh, horses, wearing white, returning at the Battle of Armageddon. You have a resurrection taking place. When the martyrs who are under the throne, who have been crying out to God night and day, how long until you avenge us? And the Lord says, just a little longer until your number's full. We're going to read about that next week. They're going to be resurrected to be together with the church because all the redeemed are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Old Testament saint, the tribulation saint, the church, they're all going to sit down together. And I just want you to know, just so you know, every single denomination on earth agrees with that part on to the end. That they're all going to be together in the resurrection. That they're going to rule and reign with Christ forever. We just disagree on the middle parts. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know if it makes sense or not, but that's what we do. (coughs) So, we see these things taking place so this is the way this song goes now we see a a heavenly refrain that's why i say this song is broken into parts okay look at verse 11 then i looked and i heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering 
numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Now, some of your Bibles don't say myriads and myriads. It says 10,000 times. 10,000. I wonder why. Oh, because in one, it just, it just uh, transliterates the Greek word. The highest number in Greek rendering is 10,000. How do they say that? Myriads. Myriads and myriads. It's kind of like the word baptize. You know where we get the word baptize from? It's just a Greek word spoken in English. Baptizo. And so we have the word baptize. We didn't create it. We just stole it from Greek and use it. 10,000 times 10,000. That's a big number, right? How many people are already trying to do the math in your head? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. What's he trying to say? Yeah, a whole bunch of angels, right? So many angels, you can't count them. Since 10,000 was the highest number of reckoning, and he said 10,000 times 10,000, man, that means, wow, there's a whole lot of angels here. whole lot of angels. And just in case you can figure that out, he says, and then thousands and thousands. So he's adding more zeros every time he speaks. Big bunch of angels, right? It says, I heard them. Uh, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Who said that? The angels. So you have the 24 elders. They get their verse. The four living creatures, they have their verse. Then what happens? All the angels join in. They sing their verse. What do they all have in common? Singing praise to Jesus Christ who is worthy. Right? He is worthy. And you want to take a guess at how many, uh, this, this list, how long it is? How many there are? Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. Any guesses? Seven. Right? Seven. He lays out for him the message. What's the message here? Here are seven things that, that makes the Lamb worthy. His power, His riches, His wisdom, His strength, His honor, His glory, His blessing. <coughs> they lay that out and just... They're just, this praise is going forward. Now, I, stay with me. Was this still the song of the redeemed, right? And Jesus is redeeming people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and what's the one I missed? There's four of them. Nation, tribe, tongue, people. Okay, so he's, he's redeeming people from everywhere. And then we have the song, the 24 elders, and then you have the four living creatures, and then you have all the angels. What happens in verse 13? Look at what it says. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea. That's a lot, right? Is that pretty much, should that cover all creatures? Everything that has been created? Huh. I wonder if they're going to sing something. Oh, look. All that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. You see how the song breaks down into stanzas and you have different uh, folks singing each one. 24 elders, four living creatures, talking about the song of the redeemed, those who are redeemed. <coughs> Specifically the new song of the church that is in heaven. Then what do we have next? All the angels saying, man, Jesus Christ is worthy. And then what do we see last? Everything left. Everything left. Because the Bible very clearly tells us that every knee will bow. And every tongue will do what? 
confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he worthy? Man, that's what this whole song is about. Declaring the worthiness, the glory, the majesty, the beauty, the the incomparable value and worth of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. So they sing, all of these guys, the adoration of every creature, all of creation. And is there anything left out? Pretty much he's got it all, right? So you got, you always wondered, I wondered if the animals can talk. I think they do in this song. Don't they? I, I, wouldn't they be con- considered as every creature? In heaven and on earth, under the earth and in the sea? I'd, I'd say that pretty much covers it, don't it? You know what, what under the earth is? Probably didn't think about this. Remember I told you every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. You think those demons are going to get out of this? You think the devil and his angels ain't going to have to bow a knee and declare the worthiness of Jesus Christ as a great God and Savior? Every knee means how many? Every knee. Every tongue means how many? Every tongue. Does anybody get out? Nobody gets out. And how does he describe them? As those who are under the earth. That's a, a common phrase used to talk about the abode of the dead. The demon. All will praise him. Uh, we see that they lift up the Father and the Son, right? <coughs> to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So they got both of them receiving worship of who? Every angel, every creature, the church and the 24 elders, the four living creatures, all praising the Father and the Son. Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is united. He's one. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. They worship. They bring glory and honor to them all. And then look what happens in verse 14. The the four living creatures get another one. The cherubim, the throne guardians. What do they get to say? The four living creatures said, Amen! What does that mean? So be it. So be it. The craziest creatures in all of heaven, these cherubim, and they get to go, so be it. And you know, it says they are saying. It's not past tense. It's present indicative. It continues, a continuous action. They are continually saying, Amen. Amen. Think about every chorus with the four living creatures saying, Amen. So be it. You have been redeemed. And they are a kingdom of priests unto their God. Amen. And then the, all the earth is declaring the glory and majesty of God. And they say, Amen. So be it. So be it. So be it. The four living creatures singing the song. And what happened? And the elders fell down and did what? Worship. The one thing that continuously characterizes the elders is the concept of falling down and worshiping. What is it that we see John do several times in the book of Revelation? Fall down and what? Worship. What do we see people do to Jesus in his earthly ministry? What did they do? Fall down and worship. I don't think it's hard to see who these guys are, man. I think it makes it makes sense to me. It makes sense that this is the church worshiping her Savior. Right? 
throwing their crowns, throwing their crowns at his feet, proclaiming his worthiness for his redemption. The song of the redeemed, that's an awesome song. You probably ought to memorize it because you're going to sing it one day. Just like you read it right there. Yeah, you won't. Yeah, true. You'll know it. You'll be smarter than you are now. <laughs> That's always good, right? So we have this, this song of the redeemed. It's so beautiful, man. So beautiful, culminating with the final act of worship by the 24 elders. And then we're leaving another section, right? Remember, it started with the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the revealing of Jesus Christ in chapter 1. Seven letters to the churches in 2 and 3. Chapter 4 and 5, the church in heaven in this glorious praise, the worthiness of Jesus Christ. What happens in chapter 6? Jesus is going to open a seal. And what happens? The start of the 70th week of Daniel. It's going to last from chapter 6 to chapter 19 culminating in the battle of Armageddon. And then chapter 20, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Chapter 21 and 22, a new heaven, a new earth, and we live happily ever after. That's the book of Revelation. Amen? We'll start on 6 next week. Why don't you stand with me? Let's praise the Lord.